Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. We're back with another episode of Bill Roden on Sports, Bros Pod. At Bros Pod, check us out on all the social media uh, sites that you're on. We have a special show today. We're going to talk NFL. Los Angeles Chargers coach Anthony Lynn will be joining us a little bit later. But here in the studio, we have uh, our new co-host, Nabate Isles. What's up? Hey, how's it going, gentlemen? There you go. You can hear the applause coming from... um, Probably somewhere in uh, upstate New York, maybe. I'm just guessing. Who knows? Yeah, where it's snowing. Where it's snowing. It's still snowing out there, Bill? Yeah, man. It gets back to, you know, you got snowblowers out here. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, oh okay. wow. I guess you can't even get on the roads out there. Uh, well, you know, you, you, you know, when you grow up in places where it's a lot of snow, they, they do pride themselves on, okay. you know, keeping it, uh, you know, keeping the roads clear. In fact, I probably will keep just get on the road. I, I always like to drive around in snow. You do, you said, or don't? I do, yeah. Okay, okay. Be, be careful. Yeah. If you didn't know, that, that, that was, uh, that's Bill Roden uh, we're talking to. Uh, you know, this is Bill Roden on sports, so Bill's, Bill's here joining us from, uh, from a remote, remote location upstate. So before we get to Coach Lynn, uh, the big news in the NFL was yesterday, and it, and it doesn't come as a surprise really, but uh, Kareem Hunt, who previously you were, you may remember was a big time running back for for Kansas City last year. He was I think he was like leading the league in rushing yeah. uh, for most of the season. Hey, um, he was a reason they're not in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's, I was thinking that also. Um, and you know, as as we all probably remember, uh, Hunt was caught on tape shoving and kicking a woman in a hotel in February 2018. And in subs- Cleveland, in, in <laughs> Cleveland, of all places. Right. Just to remind people what happened, he was released after. Only after he was released by the Kansas City Chiefs. Only after the video became public, even though they, you know, they knew about the incident, um, you know. But because the video looked so bad, you know, one, a woman was on the ground. He he kicked her, uh, shoved her. Um, so that you know it was on TMZ. It blew up, um, and and the Chiefs, I guess, at the time made the right decision and and cut completely cut ties with him. And we all said that was a no brainer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think we all knew that. You know, as long as he didn't kneel uh, during the national anthem, he was going to get another chance. <laughs> right? right? That, that's a great point. I, yeah, mean, right. I, mean, I, I mean, we knew that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's that one thing you can't do. As we predicted, a team stepped up and signed him, and it was none other than the Cleveland Browns, who, as, as Nabate just pointed out, that's where the incident happened. Right, right. How did that happen, guy? I mean, who, who's looking at it? Oh. Oh yeah, that that makes sense. Let's bring him back here. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, that you know, Ohio—that's his home state. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he he went to South High School um, in uh, Columbus. You know, uh, Ohio, like Willoughby, like that area, and then he went to Toledo for college. So, you know, I guess Cleveland was saying, you know, let's bring the hometown kid back and oh, everything. How sweet. How you know, sweet. like, but, but, um, but, but that tells you it's so funny when Ray, the Ray Rice situation happened. You notice he never got signed again. Mm-hmm. Um, and also right. the well, fact he was, up was there he, in age too. He lost the step. Right. right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Ex- why. He lost because the he was, step. He was old. It wasn't because right. of the domestic violence. Mm-hmm. You know right. Right. And and 
even he could have been he could have been signed even a year later just to be a backup or something to be a veteran. He was Super Bowl champ. But uh, it's just when you see Kareem Hunt get signed by Cleveland, it's like for me, why would they do that to Nick Chubb? Mm, that's a good point. You know, Nick Chubb was someone that emerged. Nick Chubb came back from, from a horrific knee injury in Georgia. He was a second-round pick. He was able to make his name. He was an alternate for the Pro Bowl, pretty much, and, and had a tremendous season, got better and better as the season went along. And then you sign Kareem Hunt, who's basically, you know, I mean, okay, it's not fantasy football. You know, like fantasy football is beautiful to have, you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on your fantasy team. But this, what does this do for Nick Chubb's morale? What does this do for the locker room? You know, now, you know, and Cleveland was. They say, they was, say he's a great teammate. Was a set, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's but, what one of the things that, that's right. one of the things that the, yeah, that yeah, the, yeah. the Cleveland, that Cleveland said. He's that, a, he's a great teammate, right. you know, but, but then it's just, it, there's going to, there's going to be a little, it's going to be a distraction with a team that finally made strides. Almost, you know, fine, like almost had a 500 record this season. It right. was seven, eight, and one. Uh, so Baker, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. So it's like now it's too much of a distraction going into training camp for a young team that that is turning things around, and you don't know what it's going to do now. Like for the 2019 season, you just don't know. It's now a mystery. It's not a good look. I mean, it's just it's not good. Yeah, you know, but when you say it's Cleveland, you almost figure, okay, you know, a desperate team. You know, they want to win. And, I mean, the reality is that, you know, Kareem Hunt could play. If, if you know, if he would have been with Kansas City, I think that uh, they, they probably would have been in the Super Bowl um, if, the, if the knucklehead didn't line up offside. I don't know. You know, the thing that's troubling about um, Hunt, and, again, it's just like the, um, uh, the thing with um, – Ray Rice. Uh, yeah, that – they knew this tape existed. Right. You know, they knew it was out there. Right. And, again, you know, the problem is the, the only reason they cut him or let him go was because they got busted. But, you know, when you look at something like that, clearly you're not looking at it like it's your, your sister getting beat or your wife or your, you know. Right. You're, you're, you're looking at it about the shield. And that's the, the, the I think, the disheartening thing about that. You know, um, and... Jamal, you hit it right on the head, man. If this guy would have been one of the demonstrators, he would not have been in the NFL. Right. But because he just beat up a woman, that's kind of acceptable. You could say he's a great teammate and come on with sign. Right. And and they've made that completely obvious now. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter in terms of, you know, you commit an act of violence, we'll give you a second chance. Uh, but Kaepernick's out here, and he's and he's not, oh. and he's still a young guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still, you know, he's still in good shape from what I from what I've seen on on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still even even trying to to get, you know, to get on a roster. You know, for some reason, you know, I, I, I mean, he must still love the game, you know. And he's and and because he spearheaded this uh, this protest, you know, he'll probably never play again. But as far as Cream Hunt, remember. Um, you can never have too many horses in the stable as far as the Nick Chubb and the Cream Hunt. That's the way they're thinking. And Duke Johnson, too. Yeah, Duke, Duke Johnson, You know, too. guy, yeah. you know, they, they don't care. They, they're, just trying, they're just trying to stockpile talent. Um, they knew Cleveland had to know that someone was going to take a chance, so they were probably like, why not us? Mm-hmm. And remember, uh, they, gave, they signed him to a one-year, $1 million contract, and he'll be a restricted free agent next year. 
And he can currently he can't play right now because he's on the commissioner's exempt list and he's not eligible to play until the NFL completes its investigation of the incident. Um, and then there'll be there'll probably be some sort of punishment handed over mm-hmm. as they did with uh, Ezekiel Elliott yeah. and that type of thing. So, you know, they're taking a they're taking a a, a chance. So there's a little business decision there. Um, he, you know, he may not even be able to play the whole the whole season, yep. but they just in case, just in case they have him, they yeah. have his rights. Yep. And yep. he's a restricted free agent next year, so they'll have they'll have his rights again. They'll be able to to match whatever someone else offers. Mm-hmm. So we'll you know we, yeah. we shall see. And you're right. I mean, back to a dime a dozen. Right. I, I I don't know what you guys feel about that. Uh, it may, may may that's a cliche. It's not true. No, it is. Tr- it's true. You know, I was thinking about that when we were discussing just football wise. You know, if you're Chubb. You know, you can look at it if you're Chubb two different ways. You could look at it as, oh, wow, you know, what does it do to me? But you also could say, well, if it works out, you know, it saves both of our bodies, you know. True. True. I mean, yeah, nowadays uh, there's a lot of running back by committee. I mean, even you know, it's just, it's, the game is too violent now for you to just go heavy with one running back in the game. So, you, I mean, yeah. you're constantly looking yeah, also, for talent at that position. How versatile? Who of those two, you know, Kareem Hunt played in. He he kind of played an offense that I, I guess Cleveland would probably like to emulate. I'm sure. You know where, you know, you know, lots of uh, you have a quarterback who can kind of. Uh, I wouldn't call him a, you know, a square, but you know he can move around. Right. Uh, and that's probably the type of offense they want. And so Kareem Hunt played in that type of offense. So, again. It was morally reprehensible, but it made sense football wise. But yeah, that's true. And 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 but but coming back to you were saying about definitely you need to have running backs by committees, you know, RBBCs and stuff. But but I have to say uh, though, but Chubb, you have to think like, okay, when am I? You know, especially as a second round pick, you know, he's someone that wasn't, right. you know, like because of his injury. So right. you know, that's that's why he went down. But. You just wonder, okay, how is this is this organization committed to me? You know, like, uh, w- will he ask for a trade? Like, you never know, you know. But like, but like you said though, it will be. It's it's in a. If it works out for Kareem Hunt that he's doing his rehabilitation and and doing the community service he needs to do and things like that in the NFL helps him be able to restore his image um, and everything, then it's an embarrassment of riches overall in Cleveland. And uh, this this team is, I mean, right now I see them on the trajectory being in the playoffs in 2019 with their defense and with their offensive then, weapons. Then we'll, we'll never hear the end of uh, Baker Mayfield if, if that's the case. <laughs> right, but, um, exactly. Cleveland says that uh, Hunt, despite his past, is a great teammate. I mentioned that before. And they also say they've done extensive research uh, in terms of, the, of looking into the incident. So maybe they know something we don't know. I highly doubt it. I mean, it was on tape. I mean, what you know, we pretty much know it was on tape. what happened. So you know, yeah. you hit, you know, you hit somebody, you kick somebody. <laughs> right. I don't know in what universe the 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 Browns live. again. If that was Jimmy Haslam, I mean, his wife D. I mean, if if that was their daughter, right, or one of their mothers or sisters, right. Again, they would not be talking about what a great teammate is. They'd be talking about. Where do we find his body? <laughs> right, right or, or at least trying to get him locked up. So exactly. No, I hear you. Yeah. yeah so so that's, that's not the NFL. So the NFL, you know, continues continues its uh, I don't know trajectory where 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 the NFL is going. They keep. I mean, they just they keep you know stepping on their own foot. Yeah, a lot lot of um you know 
contradictions yeah. going on. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will have our special guest, uh, L.A. Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn. He was gracious enough to join us and uh, discuss, you know, what he's been up to, what, uh, how he builds on, on a 12-4 and four season that he had last season. And uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete, by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must-read. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audiobook. Welcome back. We are here with a special, special, special guest coming off a tremendous season in the NFL, uh, L.A. Chargers coach Anthony Lynn. The Chargers were 12-4. and four. Uh, this, this past regular season and uh, had a berth in the playoffs that and you know ended a little prematurely. But uh, Anthony Lynn has graced us with his presence here today. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm good. Hey. Thank, you for, thank you for coming on. Great, Anthony. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So coming off a, a, a very good season, I just wanted to t- touch base on how you felt uh, this, the season went for you guys and, and, and what's next for, for the 2000, what is it, 19 season? You know, uh, obviously, I think the season ended two games too soon. But uh, you know, we uh, hopefully we can build off of what we did this year. Just use it as part of the foundation, and uh, and improve and get better. And uh, next year, try to make a run at it again. Hey, I just want to say one thing. I mean, you know, really, props to you for a great season. I was pulling for you all the way. However, I was doing this series of of columns about this new wave of young black quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first one was, like, Lamar Jackson. And I said, man, the way you, t- the way you shut that down, I was like, oh, man. You sh-? <laughs> I'm like, come on, I have to give me a break, man. <laughs> you, you ruined his college. He was like, no leaving room. <laughs> None. Well, well you got to remember, now, he torched us a couple weeks prior there. So <laughs> yeah. know, we, we, we owed him one. But uh, he's, he's a good young talent. I mean, he's just a rookie. I think so many times these guys come in this league and uh, we throw them, throw them into the fire their rookie season and, and people evaluate that. But, you know, back when I played, rookies, they couldn't even come on the field into their third or fourth year at quarterback. And so, you know, these guys are doing it, you know, in their first year. They're just babies, man. They have a lot to learn. And if they can just make it through this, uh, all, all these learning phases and, and come out on the positive side, you know, they're going to be good quarterbacks. But unfortunately, a lot of them never recover. You know, they have a poor rookie season, and the media beat them up, and the fans beat them up, and, and poor, poor young guys, they never recover. Why, why, are they, why, why is it? Is that because, why are they throwing, is that because of the, the contracts, the rookie contracts, and they want to get everything out of them? I mean, why, why are they throwing them into the fire? You know, I think the money was so big at one time is that, you know, when you're paying these guys, and now we got those, those rookie contracts, that helps. But uh, I think people feel obligated if you, if you take a guy in the first round or his quarterback that, that you got to play him. And uh, uh, that, you know, we've been doing it for the last 
decade, and uh, uh, that just wasn't the case when I came through. You know, young guys they, they they sit behind a veteran, they watch, they learn, and then uh, and then when they got their chance to play, they were more seasoned. But uh, you know, I, I think now it's just. Everything is just faster. I mean, the, the patience. The, no one has patience anymore, Bill. I mean, coaches are evaluated on how fast they turn things around, not if they're capable of, you know, building a, a consistent winner and a champion, a champion. But it's how fast. If you don't do it fast enough, you're fired. You know, uh, you know. I, I think back, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh was like two and fourteen, and like five and eleven, or something like that, yeah. in his second year. You know, if I started like that, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> and, and, and we're talking about a Hall of Fame football coach, right? And, yeah. And, and Coach Lynn, talk about so. that. How like. Your team, like the Chargers in 2015, 2016, won a total of nine games. Then you won nine games your rookie year there. Then 12 the next season plus a playoff win. So talk about how you were able to to build such a foundation as well as be able to have like a core group of players to really step up like Derwin James, like Joey Bosa, uh, like, you know, Melvin Ingram, like, you know, Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen, how they were able to grow under your tutelage to build that foundation that you set? Well, number one, we have a really good support staff. You know, uh, our coaching staff is outstanding. Uh, we, we all get along. We all pull in one direction. We have similar philosophy. And, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, I grew up under some pretty good coaches myself, and I learned a lot uh, from Coach Parcells. Uh, you know, it really taught me how to win in this league. And, you know, Mike Shanahan, the, uh, the details uh, of his offense and, and his football teams that, that he coached. And, uh, you know, even George Seifert, you know, and uh, Coach Walsh in the beginning. And then and then being under Rex Ryan, you know, uh, Rex made me the assistant head coach. And I got to experience the responsibilities of assistant head coach. It wasn't just a title. And so it kind of helped me see the big picture of how these teams and organizations run things. But, uh uh, my, I can't say enough good things about the support staff, but and then you get to the players. You know, uh, our guys, high character guys, hard workers. You know, they always compete. They're selfless. They care about one another. And uh, when you get, when you get a good group of guys like that, and you just lead them in the right direction, you know, you, you got a chance. You know, you, you might not win it all all the time, but you, at least you have a chance. And when I got here, I just looked at this team and then evaluated uh, the things that uh, that that you need to win in this game, and one of them. It was turnovers. You know, we were turning the ball over at an alarming rate, and uh, and then another one, you have to be available. We were always hurt. You know, uh, you can't, you know, always in the shop. And so we, we tweaked some things with the off-season program. Uh, brought in new strength coaches, John Lott, his group, Jonathan Brooks, and uh, you know, we start taking care of the ball a little bit better and uh, a little different schemes here and there. And you know, and uh, we're competitive, but uh, you know, we haven't. We haven't done anything, you know, as of yet. We won nine games, won 12 games, but, you know, uh, we do this for one reason, and uh has to be a blessing to one another and win a world championship, and, and that's our goal. And Phillip Rivers, the ageless one, like, uh, what is he doing to be able to maintain the level of excellence? What What is he applying? Well, he takes care of himself. He's a pro, you know. Uh, he's 38 years old, and uh, he's going to be 38 this year. But uh, he really takes care of himself in the off season, and uh, uh, he studies this game like no other. Uh, he's one of the most prepared players I've ever been around, 
And so, uh, I, you know, he's, he's like a coach on the field, to be honest with you. And he helps his teammates around him, you know. He, so uh, he's everything you want in a quarterback. But, uh, you know, he's he, a lot of experience. He's getting up in age, and we need to get this done sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, uh, Coach, what, what – um, I kind of was joking with you about uh, Lamar Jackson – but I was really intrigued by, you know, you've got this sort of new group of RPO guys coming up with, with Lamar and with, uh, I guess, Mahomes and um, maybe Dak. To, you know, what, what do you think about that? It seems like there's always been a tension in the NFL with what they call, quote, unquote, running quarterbacks. And I've always been, been really intrigued by the evolution from Vic and all that. Do you think that this is something that, is this wave is, is something that's going to really come into the NFL, or is it just a yeah. phase? Or you know. Uh uh, I'm a big high school football fan, and uh, you know, growing up in Texas, you know, high school football is, is king. Yeah. But uh, uh, I've, I've studied high school football for a long time, and they, those guys, they've been running spread and RPOs forever, and it's just a matter of time before that stuff comes into our league, and uh, and that's what you see now. Uh, it's, no, it's, it's not. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon at all. I think it's just going to be a part of the National Football League. When you look at the quarterbacks in college football today, you know, most of those guys, can move around a little bit and they're mobile. Uh, it's hard to find a pure pocket passer, you know, in, in college football or high school today. And so uh, you have to integrate some of that into your game. You can't you can't live in that world, but you can definitely mix it. And uh, and I think it helps these young quarterbacks transition into the league a, a, a little quicker and help them have a little more success, like you see with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Coach, obviously one of the big topics. Uh, now and ever since, I guess Black Monday in the NFL was the was the decrease in minority coaches, um, and you know, obviously, you you being an African American coach, I was wondering if if you if you carry that if you feel like you carry an extra weight, do you do you go into it feeling like you know I have to represent um, four black coaches or I have to be you know, I have to I have to make sure I take care of this responsibility. Or are you just coming into it like, hey, I'm a football coach and I'm, I'm going to do my job? You know, I, I like to think about it as, as being a football coach and, and just, a, you know, not think about it as black coach, white coach, but just a football coach and, and do the best job I can because that's, that's why they hired me. But, you know, I'm not, not so naive that I don't understand, you know, what's at stake. And, and, and yeah, I may carry the torch for some uh, other – Young up and coming black coaches, the better I do, the you know the the better chance they may have to be in this seat one day. I, yeah, I totally understand that, but uh, you know I, I want to be the best I can because that's that's what I'm here to do. You know, and uh, I just think if if I do a good job and I, and that help another young man of color, then that's awesome. But uh, I want to do the best job I can. Period. What What was your take on on? You know, a number of of black coaches losing their jobs this past season. I think five five coaches losing their job. I think it, it brings it down yeah. to three minority coaches, four minority coaches. Well, um, I mean, every, I mean, every year they fire seven eight, right? Black, white, brown, right. yellow, red. You know, right. they gonna fire seven eight every year, and uh, this year just five of them just happen to be, you know, minorities, right. and. Uh, uh, that, that that's just the way it, the way it happened this year, you know. And, and next year it, it'll be the same thing. So um, that's that's this league, you know. We've, I thought some of those guys got a raw deal. I mean, they didn't get much time, and but 
you got you have to understand that when you take this job and sit in this seat, you don't have a lot of time, and that's just, and it's not always fair, but it's just the way it is. When you are at, at places like the combine or whatever, and you speak to young guys who are trying to get into business, uh, and you look at your career, you look at your route, how you did it, the time you put in, um, is that sort of a formula? I mean, I, cause I, I'm sure that you get hit up by a lot of young guys who. You don't want to be where you are. Um, is what you did? Is that sort of a, a, a template? Is that, a, or, or you know, is it just? Is it really just more of an individual thing? You know, I I really don't know if it's uh, uh, for me. I, I believe it's an individual thing. You know, I. Uh, they told me for the longest because I coached running backs that, I, you know, I couldn't be a coordinator. And uh, I didn't, I never understood that because, you know, running backs understand the running game. They understand the protection game and they're involved in the passing game. And I think they're more equipped to being coordinators than quarterback coaches. Most quarterback coaches, all they know is the passing game and, and they have to rely on someone else for the running game and the protection and to protect the quarterback. So uh, I never understood that and, and I finally got an opportunity to be a coordinator you know, and you know we did okay and uh, I checked that box because a lot of people say, you know, I need to check that box. I, didn't, I did not believe that. I think that's the problem right there is that the criteria for becoming a head coach uh, you know, the, the way we're looking at it right now obviously is not working. You're firing eight head coaches a year, so why wouldn't you do something differently? You know, I think a lot of position coaches that could be head coaches uh, may not ever be a, co- a good coordinator. And there's a lot of good coordinators that don't make good head coaches it's because it's a completely different skill set to sit in this seat. And I think we have to start recognizing that, you know, what this skill set is all about, being a head coach. It's not about being a great play caller. You know, it's about, you know, uh, you know, leading men, getting along with people, bringing bringing things together, having a vision and, and a stamina to carry it out. But uh, I, I really think we could we could have a lot of more. We could open the pool up to a lot more people if we just change the way we evaluate and how we treat this criteria to be a head coach. I mean, what would be again? Let's say one day you you're like a, a president of the team. You know, uh, what would you? How would you? You know, given all the stakes, how would you evaluate? Well, you know, I I know I need a leader. I I need a guy that can come in here that can relate to uh, everyone in the building and and a guy that has a vision and a plan to carry it out and – and you know, and, and that's what I would look for. I would look for those qualities. You know, uh, if it's trustworthy, it's accountable, and and uh, I would look for more of those leadership skills in guys. And and I think you can just look at a guy's career, and you know, if he's been successful and how he's managed players over his career, even if he's a running back coach, you can evaluate that. And uh, and I would look more like in in, the, in that direction than I would. If you're making a guy check all the boxes because, you know, you, you made me check all the boxes before I got an opportunity, but I'm seeing guys that got hired this year that didn't check that box. Right. So, you know, it just, uh, you know, that's another thing. Be consistent. We're here with uh, Coach Anthony Lynn of the Los Angeles Chargers, head coach, going into his third season. Coach Lynn, um, there was a heartwarming commercial during Super Bowl uh, Sunday and actually it was the best commercial on because I couldn't yep. stand uh, I can't stand the Super Bowl commercial now not like it was when I was growing up but <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to say that the Verizon commercial how did it come about 
Um, what was your reaction to it? Um, like after it, you know, after it was made, like after the cameras were off, you know, cause we saw your instant reaction, right. but after the cameras were off and how did that accident change you as a human being and as a professional? Well, that commercial was very, very raw. I mean, uh, it was going to be a couple players telling their story and uh, a shot of me speaking to first responders. You know, uh, I don't stop in the middle of a season and do a lot of things like this because, it's, you know, it can be a distraction. But it was our bye week, and uh, I wanted to really do something for the first responders. I, I know how important, you know, they are to me because they saved my life. And so, you know, I'm there talking to these guys, and um, I had no idea that the people that actually saved me were in the group. And Pete, Pete Berg, I mean, he's a really good director. He kept coming to my trailer and trying to tell me, you know, uh, he was just filling me out, like kind of telling me what to say in the script. And I said, look, Pete, I want to talk to these first responders just like they're my football team. And, uh, and if I can't do that, then you got the wrong guy. You know, and so he left and he came back and he's like, okay, I want this to be really, really intense, really. In my, I say, look, man, I'm not an actor. I'm a football coach. <laughs> I was like, I won't do it my way. I'm not going to do it at all. And so – he set me up pretty good. So I'm talking to the guys, and then they, they stop, and, and there's a pause, and then one by one they they stepped out from the group, and they explained to me who they were and uh, and how they saved me and what they did that night to save me. And, and man, that was just – I never met these people before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always wondered who these people were, and I've always wondered what happened that night because I don't remember a whole lot, but – that was just a really uh, raw and emotional moment for me, and they captured it on on tape, and they decided, you know, why don't we make this a Super Bowl commercial? <laughs> and so that's kind of how that how that came about. But you know, the director got exactly what he wanted. He ambushed me with these people, and uh, it was you know pretty emotional for both of us. And, and but it was it was sincere. It was real, you know. And and uh, uh, I just think sometimes you know in society we we get. You know, just just watch the Grammys of the day. You know, we're looking at you know actors, singers, athletes, and and as kids, see us as role models and heroes. And I think we need to see the first responders like that. You know, these people. You know, we're running away from stuff that they're running into. You know, trying to save lives. And uh, I just I think that's real heroic. And I just wanted to honor them for that. You know, uh, I don't know what would be in this world without first responders. Well, and Peter- yeah, that was so that was so powerful, Anthony. I mean. And I think a lot of people maybe even looked at you differently. You you mentioned the Grammys. And a lot of times, you know, we see, you know, particularly athletics has become like entertainment. And, you know, almost like we lose track of that we're all fellow human beings, that we go through ups and downs and we bleed like everybody, you know. And seeing that, I don't know if you you got feedback from it, but it just seemed to put you – in such a whole different light that, you know, like you're just kind of one of one of us. You're a human being. Uh, well, I am one of them. <laughs> I am. Uh, <laughs> trust me. But, uh, you know, I was uh, my wife and I, we were in Turks and Caicos. We were on the beach, and uh, my phones just started blowing up. And <clears> about 30 I, seconds. I was, I, one, like, I was one of them. I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so... Uh, you know, we sat there on the beach, and then our phones were blowing up, and that's how we knew they must have just showed that commercial. You know, but uh, but that, yeah, it was interesting. Are, are you are you telling me you didn't you didn't watch the Super Bowl? 
Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Too soon, man. Too, Too soon. soon. I hear you. Oh, man, really? <laughs> but no, I, I guess I can understand that. I can understand that. But, but, but Coach, yeah, I can it's so funny, Coach Pete. And now that I know why that commercial was so riveting, Peter Berg is, yeah, he's, he's a beast. You know, he's done great, great work oh, throughout yeah. the years. You know, great filmmaker, you know, and an actor before that. So, yeah. So oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, he did, he did, he did a good job. I mean, he, he got exactly what he wanted. You know, he created the, you know, the right, he knew what he had to do to create the right moment. How's the new stadium coming along? You know what? It's coming along really well. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. The last time I saw it, man, it's just uh, it's an iconic building. Uh, there's no other stadium in the world like this one now. Uh, it's it's going to be something special. How has the the location change uh, been for, for for you and for the team in general? I mean, there was a lot made of the fact that, that it was a transplant team. I mean, what what kind of effect do you feel like that had on you last season? You know, season? it's... it's I love the way we've handled it. Our players, our coaches, our organization, you know, they've done all that they can to make us as comfortable as possible. But the fact is, you know, we moved. We're here in a temporary facility, temporary practice place. At some point, it was supposed to be a permanent facility would be in L.A. But, you know, when you're in temporary facilities and things like that, you know, you you can't buy homes, you know, uh, your kids are in one school, you know, in a couple of years, they're probably going to be in another school. And uh, it, it's, it's still a little unsettling, but uh, I think the way we've approached it and handled this situation has actually made us a tougher organization. And then, you know, moving forward, like I said, you're, you're 12 and four. You had a, you definitely had a very, very successful season last season. So how do you, you know, personally as a coach, how do you try to build on that? How do you try to uh, make sure guys aren't satisfied with with what they did last year? And 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 what's your what's your you know your schedule like right now? Like, how, are you already in the midst of uh, of of uh, you know free agent decisions and the combine and all that? Oh, absolutely. You know, we don't get much time off like people think. You know, we're, we're looking at free agents right now. We're looking at draft prospects because we're getting ready to go to the combine here at the end of this month. And then we have pro days lined up to make all of our college visits and, and get ready for the draft and things like that. But, you know, at the same time, uh, uh, we're just trying to add to what we have and, uh, and, and try to keep, you know, the continuity that we have as well. You know, we had, we did an excellent job of keeping our coaching staff together uh, for another season. And now we're, you know, we're trying to keep as many of our players as we can because you can't carry over uh, wins and losses from year to year, but you can carry that culture over. But in order to carry that culture over, you know, you need the people. And uh, I like the people that we have in the building. And we want to add a few new pieces to that. And then we'll see what happens. As for, for the, I, I guess I, I have to ask a Patriots question. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'm asking more, you know, a lot of people say it was a lackluster game, and I guess here it was a football, you know, defense is, is intriguing. But I guess the larger thing I've got, and a lot of people were, were complaining, oh, they win again. But I guess in this business, you either win or you don't. I mean, in other words, nobody yeah. giving out gifts. You either, and I guess that's one of the beautiful things about our industry you know, uh, is that you either do it or you don't do it. You either win or you don't win, you know. Um, and in that respect, what what do you think of the Patriots just as sort of a a, a standard they've set, I guess. I mean, I, 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 I guess that's the way you phrase it. Um, whether, whether there's sort of a motivational thing to 
you know, uh, knock them off or just be better, or, you know. Yeah, I mean they. I mean they have set a, set a standard. I mean their 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 standard is uh, excellence, and uh, and they're, they're great right now. You know what, what they're doing right now. I mean it's, it's greatness, and I can appreciate that. I, I was not uh, unhappy that they made it back. You know, I, hell, hell, yeah, I was unhappy because they beat us. But, uh, <laughs> right. but, 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 but 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 to see them go back and win it, you know, uh, it's just. Uh, it's just greatness right there in front of you, and you get to see it up close and personal. And and hopefully, you know, you can uh, you can learn uh, from from what they're doing, and and try to and try to be better because of it. But uh, now, I think you know Tom Brady, best of all time, in my opinion. You know, Coach Belichick's done a heck of a job with that group, keeping it together, and and, and the culture that they have there obviously works. And so uh, it's just uh, it's just we're looking at greatness, man, and, and I respect that. Yeah, and you. I don't know if the body wants to ask you one final question, but, you know, I remember when Belichick was with um, uh, Cleveland. And, you know, a lot of people forget that. I mean, this is a humbling business. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody escapes it, you know. And he was kind of humble. And uh, I guess that's the thing, that everybody's got to go through it. And then the question is, how do you then build the type of career that you've already built and what you want to build on? You know, how do you... Yeah. Get to that point of winning that first championship, then winning another one, then winning another one. You know, how do you, you know, how do you do that? You know, he's you know, he, he's done a heck of a job of getting his players, uh, uh, getting the right players on campus. You know, mm-hmm. I've played in that division for eight years, and, and I'll tell you, there were some times when we lined up and and. The Patriots were not the most talented team. Now they may have had the best quarterback, but they weren't the most talented team overall. And but they find ways to win. And uh, I think Coach Belichick has, does a heck of a job of uh, teaching his players how to win. You know, they don't make some of the mistakes that other teams make in critical situations. And uh, you know, it's it's, it's it's something to see, but it's also something that you can learn from and get and be better. Mm-hmm. And Co- yeah. Coach Lynn, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you, um, you went to Texas Tech, of course, and a teammate yep. of yours, former Super Bowl MVP, and I keep asking you, where have you found out where Timmy Smith is? Have you, have you found out? Like, I, I have to ask you every year. <laughs> when you find Waldo, you'll find him. <laughs> I have no idea where Timmy is, man. Wow. No idea. Oh, man, you got to make sure you guys link up and have him talk to the team or something. You know, especially when you guys make the Super Bowl, have him give them an inspirational you know, speech because right. he had those 204 yards. He was crazy that game. <laughs> he came out. Of, he came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. game of game of his life. And actually, mistake. Yeah. He wasn't MVP. It was Doug Williams. But Timmy still had the great game. So yeah, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I couldn't, I couldn't let you on phone because without telling you how much I loved uh, some of your decisions to go for it on fourth down. And I was just thinking, I was driving somewhere across the country or somewhere. I forget what. But I said, man, that's that's the way you're supposed to do it. At I mean, Kansas really, City. At Kansas City. Know, you just set the tone, and I don't know if that's. It, it, did you do it to make a statement? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was strategic, but did you do it just to sort of make a statement, sort of let you know, let people know this is sort of what we're about? You know, it's just it, it's something that we we started doing in the in training camp. You know, I, I, after my first season, uh, and I studied every single game in that all season, and, I, and there were some areas where I felt like, you know, I should have been more aggressive, and so. Uh, 
we practice that way. We call, I call it gotta have it periods, and we practice it that way in training camp. And I just knew if I practiced it more, then I, then I'd make it easier for me to call it. Because I, sometimes I can, I tend I can play it a little too safe, and and I wanted to I wanted to create more possessions for the offense. We had to create more points. And this year, you know, we went for it several times on fourth down, and uh, we we I, think, I believe we were number one in the league in fourth down conversions. So uh, guys responded from from the, from the preparation and practice. To, to games. Well, Coach, uh, thanks a lot uh, for taking the time out to join us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, uh, man. It's a pleasure. Thank, yeah, thanks a I lot. I wanted to keep you on here for another hour because <laughs> you're out there in 85 and it's snowing. You know? yeah, yeah, it's, it's freezing <laughs> out here. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let you get back to you're the beach. Go outside. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to let you get back to the beach and the sun <laughs> and all that good stuff. Have, have, those, have those meetings like outside, you know? And <laughs> thank you so much, Coach. Appreciate your time, Coach Lynn. And good, care, and good luck. Okay. Good luck next season. Thanks, thanks thank, a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Take bye. care. Bye bye. All right. Once again, thank thanks to uh, Anthony Lynn for joining us, um, and I definitely do uh, wish him good luck for next season. Uh, that was a great story. Them going twelve and four, making the playoffs. Nobody really expected it. Um, but another big NFL, more big NFL news that happened recently was uh, Hall of Fame inductees. And I know Nabate is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a little angry about, uh, you know, one of the developments that happened there. Am I right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say that um, the player that should have waited mm-hmm. uh, was Kevin Mawai, I felt. Kevin Mawai, mm. great center. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But I feel that... He wasn't like an elite center like a Mike Webster or or Dwight Stevenson, someone that is just a pure first ballot Hall of Famer from the standpoint of dominance, you know? And and Mawai, I mean, good player, eventual Hall of Famer, but I feel someone, the person that should have been inducted, who has been a finalist, semifinalist, and a finalist for a few years now, is Steve Atwater. Mm. Former teammate of Coach Lynn, who won two Super Bowl rings with the that Denver Broncos team. And also Steve Atwater, one of the most fearsome hitters in the history of the game from the defensive backfield. And someone also, too, that was a ball hawk that can play play the pass. And his, you know, and also too. He ended Christian Okoye's career. He ended the mystique of the great Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare that was running through people. And he, he pretty much, in his second season, Atwater ended it on Monday Night Football, and he even called it that he was going to do it. You know, he was that intimidating of a force and someone that was a major part in the Denver Broncos winning their two titles uh, later on in the 1990s, the best safety of the 1990s. And someone that, that should be in the Hall of Fame right now. And, and I don't know why it's taking so long. He's, he's just a tremendous player and someone that, that set the tone for, that Bron- for the Broncos team, you know, winning the title. And being a Bronco, being, you know, being the, establishing that, the consistency in the 90s. And, of course, culminating with the Super Bowl titles. How, how many times has he been up for it now? He's been up for it's been about eight years now, eight to really? nine years. Really? Yeah, he's been a semifinalist or a finalist. And he's been a finalist the last couple of years. So, mm-hmm. but Steve Atwater, he has to get in. I mean, he come was on like now. a Ronnie Lott light to me. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, right, right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ronnie, you know, Ronnie Lott, Ken Houston, like mm-hmm. that type of physical player. You know, so um, yeah, so but Ed Reed, of course, you know, 
you know, first ballot, of course, you know, but but definitely it would have been great to see Atwater be another, you know, the second safety in that class. What do you think, Bill? I think, um, you know, when I'm thinking about this, and, and I didn't really start thinking about it until um, they start talking about uh, uh, Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think Bruce is in the Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. There, there, there are a couple of those Ram receivers uh, who are not in the Hall of Fame. If you're going to start going down that road and start talking about, uh, you know, Edelman, then Isaac Bruce has got to be in the Hall of Fame. A guy like that, Bruce, and maybe um, there, there were a couple of them, but Bruce just comes to mind because he had such a great career uh, with, when he was with St. Louis. You know, it was part of the whole greatest show on turf. I mean, he was, he was like the great slot receiver. Um, and then kind of old school, you know, I think Otis Taylor, Otis Taylor, the mm. old Kansas City Chief, mm. uh, should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he, he was one of the forces that made that, that great Kansas City team, uh, you know, gel. And, uh, in fact, I always, he's one of those guys who said, well, what do you mean? He's not in the Hall of Fame already? I thought he was in the Hall of Fame. Um, so those those about you. I think Otis Taylor for the old school should be in. Mm. And before Julian Edelman gets in, I know he's got some time to go, but there, there, there's some people who played that position, like Isaac Bruce, who should get in. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both you guys. I don't, I don't even see Edelman really getting in. I think that was just some Super Bowl talk. They needed, they needed some clicks. Actually, Boomer Esiason even said it before the Super Bowl. <clears throat> Boomer, I don't know what Boomer's thinking. But, uh, <laughs> but my, my guy who I think got, um, got snubbed, and he was, he, was, he was underrated, I feel like. So it's not surprising that he didn't make it, but I think he definitely deserves to be in it. Maybe even first ballot is Edgerin James. I mean, the guy ran for the guy ran for over twelve thousand yards. Um, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons with with uh, at least eleven hundred yards rushing. He was a good receiver out of the backfield. He had uh, five seasons with with at least fifty receptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he played. He, you know, he played how long? Uh, about ten ten year careers. Um, he was a workhorse for Indianapolis. It was and, like him and Marshall Falk right. were the best running backs in their day, early 2000s. Right. right. And, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he put up major numbers. He was always unsung, I feel like. So it's not surprising that he didn't make it first ballot. But I think uh, you, I think he definitely belongs in the Hall of Fame, no question. One of my favorite guys. And a and, uh, Miami guy, right? That's the right. You. you. You, the and, you. You know, and then, you, know, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. You know how they produce nothing but pros. Or they used to. <laughs> they fell off a little bit recently. But. That's right. Butch Davis, when Butch Davis right. was recruiting those guys. Right. Ed Reed was one of those recruits of Butch Davis. Right. <laughs> so hopefully uh, Edrin gets in there. Um, but the guys, who did, the guys who did get in, I agree with Champ Bailey, no question. Tony Gonzalez, no question. Ty Law, um, Mawai, you know, might be an issue there. Ed Reed, for sure, one of the best safeties ever. Um, I put him, you know, I'm way up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Lott is my favorite safety of all time, Ronnie Lott. But oh. but Ed Reed is is uh, you know might be second, third for, maybe. For me, it's Atwater uh-huh. and you Sean like, like Atwater and, and Sean Taylor. Ahead of and my favorite safety. Okay, just okay. just as a personal preference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Atwater. He was more of a ball hawk. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he was like, he was not the hitter that those guys were. So you must be but, you must like violence or something. Yeah, like that. Oh, well, 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 Sean Taylor. <laughs> Sean Taylor. God rest his soul. Was real diverse. Ball hawk and a hell. He was violent. Sean, he, yeah, he, yeah he, that's that's he, true. He, he knocked the helmet off. <laughs> that's right. But le- but cleanly, cleanly, right, right, cleanly. cleanly. Think about Gil Who's that? What, what y'all think about Gil Brandt? Um, 
as a contributor, yeah, it, it was due. It was due. You mm-hmm. know, like he he's he is the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he is he is that he is uh, the foundation of that from since the 1960s. You know, him and Tom Landry going yeah. way back. So yeah, I would say I would say now's the time for him to get in. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think of Johnny Robinson, former chief? Uh, that was good. I mean, you know, that was a great team. That's why I, why I said, you know, maybe that opened the door for Otis Taylor to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, that was a great Chiefs team. And he was, he, was, you know, he was a heck of a player. You know, he may have been uh, one of the last great white defensive backs. But no, he was, yeah, John Robinson, he, no, he had, you know, he got it done. I, I have a question about white DBs, like white cornerbacks especially, Jason Are there Seahorn. any? Yeah, Jason Seahorn had had a couple of good think. years, but is there any starting white cornerbacks right now in the league? No, like there's none. That's that's no. what I thought. Wow. I mean, they're still, they're still they're still white receivers. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, the safeties is white safeties. Right, right. How many white wide receivers? There's a there's a good amount. Oh, it's a good amount. I mean, you know, Adam Thielen. You know, I mean, not a, you know, a good amount. You know, I guess. But Adam Thielen compared, compared to compared to quarterback quarterbacks is a good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, compared to running backs and, uh, and quarterbacks is a good amount of white wide receivers. So, you know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, who are they? Uh, well, Edelman, uh, Thielen. Oh, Thielen. Thielen. Yeah, Thielen. Well, not, um, I, I say wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver. Who? Edelman? I'm talking about wide receiver. You mean not not a slot guy? Maybe. Oh, like a, a, a wide yeah. wide receiver. Oh, okay. Thielen too. Thielen is Thielen's, slot. He's, yeah, he's it's mostly slot. slot. I mean, he goes on the outside yeah, though. He goes on the outside sometimes. Hogan, Hogan from. Uh, yeah, he's on the outside. He's on the outside. There's some speed guys. There's a couple speed yeah, guys. Trying, wow, that's basically. Well, wow, that's basically it. That's all I think you know, about. I don't, you know. There's a few. We'll see. We got yeah. Well, that'll be another show. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole show right there. <laughs> where, where have the white Why? receivers gone? <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't, oh, the white uh, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. Talks. That's more like oh, rare. They're gone. <laughs> they're gone. All right. Yeah. Um, we're going yeah. to we're gonna, we're gonna get out of here soon. Um, we mentioned we'll be at the All-Star break uh, coming up. All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend yes, start, yes. officially starts after Thursday's NBA games in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So Nabate and I will be there. And Bill, you never can count Bill out. He might just show up. That's right. Um, he says he's not going now, but you never know. Bill is like Kaza Sose, you know? <laughs> Kaza Sose in the game. <laughs> yeah, so. That's one of the biggest, I guess it's a, it's a non-event. I mean, the Super I guess I just was realizing this on the journey back, is that, you know, the Super Bowl is a big deal, but it is, at the end of the day, a championship. Right. You know, um, you know, if you go to a lot of things, like the CIAA tournament, I mean, these are all social gatherings, but there are a champion will be crowned. You know, the NBA All-Star game is just clearly a, <laughs> you know, sort of like corn shucking, you, know, you know, which is fine. Right. But it's, but it's a, I mean, I think, I, I guess it's, I guess there's a place for it, right? I think the, I think Wilbon once called it uh your boy your boy Wilbon once called it the the uh what do you say what was it the black Thanksgiving or something? Oh, oh. <laughs> something crazy like that. <laughs> <laughs> something crazy. We have to ask him yeah. this weekend. We yeah. have to ask him yeah. this weekend. <laughs> you know, it's always been it's always been a big uh a big uh, event, and definitely in the African American community. But but I think that's even overblown because when we were out we were out there last year in L.A. 
I think plenty of white people enjoying their, enjoying themselves too. So I think oh, it's, yeah. I think it's everybody. Everybody oh, loves yeah. the, everybody loves the NBA now. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's big it's big business out there. Um, you got LeBron. I heard LeBron was uh, he ran out of an entire hotel in downtown Charlotte. That's that's the word on the curb. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I can't I can't verify that, but that's just that's just the rumor I heard. I, I expect <laughs> you guys to go to some A list parties. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll try to find the trap doors and all that. And <laughs> sneak up in there, talk to LeBron. But anyway, we'll wrap it up. Uh, we, of course, we're gonna we're gonna end with uh, things that what things that pissed us off that made our stomachs turn. That made our stomachs turn. Oh. We still we still have to find an official title for it. We will. Nabate's uh, he's gonna he's gonna come up with something for us, something catchy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, things that pissed us off made our stomachs turn. Um, and uh, I'm still thinking of mine, but okay, what you got? Well, mine is um, the controversy about Magic Johnson advising Ben Simmons. Oh, okay. Because Magic Johnson, he pretty much, he has followed the rules. He, he's, he's pretty much said Ben Simmons reached out, you know. Um, I think I believe, yeah, one of Ben's, like uh, someone from the Philadelphia 76ers organization reached out to the, L.A. Lakers to see if Ben Simmons could be advised by Magic Johnson over the summer and uh, get some tips and, and to help improve his game. Kind of like as a musician, getting private lessons from from like a, a legendary uh, orchestral trumpeter or jazz trumpeter. Okay. You know? So, but Magic totally has said in public and he has it reiterated over and over that if the NBA approves it, if the 76ers approve it, I'll do it. So now it's the controversy about possible tampering and and Magic could use that as an opportunity. I don't see what the problem is, really. Just have it be monitored. You know, definitely have it be monitored on what's going on. And and just have just know what's happening and 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 communicate on what's going on and communicate on how they're spending their time together and and just that's it. It is what it is, you know? Um so I don't see the problem. Uh, and, and also Philly should make sure that they take care of business from the standpoint of keeping Ben Simmons happy, keeping him, uh, making sure that they're maximizing his game and, and everything and, and make sure that they communicate with him to make sure that he's happy and, and treating him the right way. And also being, you know, being honest with him on the limitations of his game, you know, coaching him and everything because he still has limitations. So, uh, and he will stay. He will stay. He'll be loyal for sure. But I don't see the problem. So that's making my stomach turn. There's nothing wrong with players seeking out the legends uh, to be able to help their games grow and also give them uh, uh, an advantage uh, to be as great as they can be to reach their full potential. That's why. I got okay. Okay. What you got, Bill? Um, well, you know, we we we. we touched on it during the show, but I don't think you could talk about the Cleveland Browns' decision to bring in Kareem Hunt uh, is just the height of hypocrisy. Um, you know, particularly when they try to talk about what a great teammate he is. That's not the point. You know, he was on film, you know, striking somebody, knocking them down, kicking them. And my point is that if the Haslam's were to look at that and they and that was their their daughter or their sister or wives or something, there wouldn't be any of this, you know, we'll bring him to the team because he's a great teammate. Um, you know, that type of stuff is, is sickening. And, 
is, is I guess part of the part and parcel is sort of the moral abyss in which the NFL kind of finds itself. So that uh, I don't know what you call it, makes my stomach turn, pissing me off, whatever, whatever we'll eventually call it. <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, I agree with but that. But you got I agree with that. Uh, I'm going to take it a, a little lighter than that. Uh, it's, it's much much more meaningless than that. But what's what's made my stomach turn, or the other day made my stomach turn, was I'm gonna, and I'm going to go to Ben Simmons. It also has to do with Ben Simmons, and it's the fact that this kid still can't shoot. <laughs> All right, it's really it's really bothering me. Okay, uh, I've seen him shoot in warmups. Uh, his his form is okay. There's nothing wrong with it, um, but he refuses to shoot. Yeah, and LeBron okay? backed off of him. LeBron was so disrespectful. Uh, it was the most disrespectful form of defense I've ever seen. And LeBron knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, he works out with Ben Simmons, so he knew. And it's also a mental game, right? I'm gonna. I'm not only. I'm gonna. I'm not only gonna let you shoot. I'm gonna turn my back to you. Go all the way under the basket, guard everybody else, and I know you're not gonna shoot. Ben Simmons, stop being afraid to shoot. I know it's all mental. I've seen you hit shots in uh, warmups. Okay, I know you're capable. I saw your form. It's not bad. It's not bad. Okay, I played basketball. Uh, you know, in, up until college, up until, uh, up through college. I coach JV, you know what I'm saying? I know a decent shot when I see it. Yours is not broken, okay? Get that little, uh, whatever that mental block you have, just get rid of it, just shoot. I want you to take two three-pointers a game from now on. I don't care if you go 0 for 30. Just take the shots because it's really pissing me off that you're letting these dudes <laughs> not even guard you, okay? And that's my rant. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Anyway, that's that's it for us uh, for this episode of Bros Pod, Bill Roden on Sports. Thank you for joining us as usual. Um, we'll be back next week. Nabate, good job as usual. Thank you, thank you sir. Bill, you. Uh, be careful out there in, in the snow and the hills and all that. Great time in, in Charlotte. Hope yeah. the weather's good. Yeah, you know, but you know, it's all work. It's all work out there, Bill. You know, you know how it is. <laughs> I just want you to. <laughs> Go to a couple of those A-list parties. <laughs> oh, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. I'm going to leave it up to yeah. Nabata. He, he's, the, he's the man. He knows everybody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, yeah. Almost party. everybody. You know, Almost. Get me in these parties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you All soon. Right. Uh, signing out. Bill Roden on Sports. Check us out, like I said before, at Bros Pod on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Bill Roden on Sports. Nabate, what, what's, your Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? Yes, my Twitter handle is at N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S-S-M-T-A. And my Instagram is nsi.universal. And uh, also Nabate, I was trumpet on Facebook. It's very nice, very nice. Uh, catch me on Twitter, at Blackatologist. Um, and Bill, uh, at WC Roden. And, uh, you know, hit us up. Any, any uh, suggestions, any uh, feedback is uh, much appreciated. So we will catch you next week. Later. All right. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.